Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of 20 and 20, the rapid-fire review show from the New Experimental Hours Podcast Network. My name is Pat. I'm your host. Today is Thursday, February 25th, 2021. It's 9.40 in the morning, and I'm broadcasting to you from my basement studio in Chicago, Illinois. Thanks for joining me. 20 and 20 is a rapid-fire review show. I'm going to review 20 things in 20 minutes with the help of a stopwatch. One minute per review. It's a lot of fun. Uh, You know, pretty short podcast to get you where you need to go. While you're making dinner, while you're driving to work, whatever the case. I'm glad you're here. Okay, let's get the stopwatch out real quick. Excuse me. All right. Go. This week, Daft Punk announced that they are breaking up. Yes, the French electronic duo, best known for songs like One More Time and then uh, Get Lucky, that jam. They're breaking up. They haven't really been that active as a band for a couple years. Like They produced a little bit for The weekend, but their last uh, album was called Random Access Memories. It came out in 2013, so it's been a little bit of a drought for the group. Uh, a little sad to see them go, though. They had great vision. I mean, the masks, the music was excellent. The production work is really good. They did great things with Kanye, great things with The Weeknd. And um, I just, I've been a fan for a long time, and I always held out hope that they would put out something else. I think Random Access Memories is outstanding record. Discovery is an outstanding record. The debut homework is absolutely terrific. I've been digging into that one lately. So, Daft Punk, uh, you know... Thanks for being around for the, as many years as you were. Hope you, uh, you know, go on your own and, and do good things. I know you can. A band that broke up and then got back together, that's Dinosaur Jr. Dinosaur Jr. just announced that they have a new record coming out this year called Sweep It Into Space. And they've enlisted the producer Kurt Vile. Kurt Vile, best known uh, for his solo records, um... Kind of a rootsy, acoustic guy, and it shows in their first single, Dinosaur Jr.'s first single, I Ran Away. Not the usual feedback-laden rocker that you would expect from Dinosaur Jr. Really more gentle, um, more in line with some of the more tender songs that they put at the back ends of their reunion records. Even uh, Jay Maskus's, um, uh solo records, which I really enjoy. So Dinosaur Jr. is one of... The best bands around right now. The reunion has been really cool. It's, I think it's gone on longer than their first run, actually. And I recommend all the material. Everything from You're Living All Over Me to Bug to um, Farm to uh, the one with Sky. Terrific material from Dino Jr. Another uh, thing I like having to do with dinosaurs, uh, the movie The Good Dinosaur comes recommended to me from my friends John and Nick. And uh, it was a great recommendation. Good Dinosaur is a 2015 Pixar movie. I had never heard of it until a couple months ago. And the reason for that is, in 2015, I was raising a newborn. Wasn't exactly going to the movies. And I just missed it. Like, I I just missed it. And it never got on my radar. But now it is. I really liked this movie. It's on Disney+, Plus, like all the Pixar movies. It's gentle. There's some action. But overall, like... The characters are well-meaning, they're clever, it's a little bit of a retelling of the American West, like the dinosaurs are almost like farmers, like homesteaders out in the West, they've got their little plot of land, and then you've got, you know, the um, the other dinosaurs and, and other uh, animals that they interact with, really clever, really funny, so check out The Good Dinosaur, I think kids like age, you know, my son, three years old, liked it, so I think you will too, all right. 
I was drinking some beer while I was watching that movie. I love to watch a movie and drink a beer. That's something I enjoy. You could put that on the uh, the uh, 20 and 20 Hall of Fame. Maplewood's Morbidly Obese Pug. What a name for a beer. So Maplewood, that's a Chicago microbrewery. Really terrific stuff. I've been to the, um, the brew house once. It was terrific. Uh, pretty small and intimate. Good ambiance and great beers. The the Maplewood Morbidly Obese Pug is a variation on, I can't remember what the name of the original beer is, like maybe just Obese Pug or something like that. Um, anyway, this is a pumped up Imperial Chocolate Stout, very potent, kind of carbonated and fizzy, real chocolatey and just delicious. Comes in Tall Boy, Pack of Four, recommend picking one up if you're in the uh, Chicagoland area, I don't think you will be disappointed, it's terrific. Let's get on with some food stuff. Underrated, overrated, properly rated. Today we're talking potatoes. All right? Not meat and potatoes. This is a meat-free podcast. Simply potatoes. And we're going to start with French fries. French fries are properly rated. I can't say underrated because everyone knows French fries are one of the best foods in the world, but they're properly rated. You know, even a bad French fry is usually pretty decent. And the good French fries are legendary. Baked potatoes are underrated. Baked potatoes are just vehicles for whatever toppings you put on them. Like a baked potato on its own is nothing, but then you add butter, sour cream, uh, faking bacon, you know what I mean? Uh, chives, of course. You might throw on some cheese. You might throw on some hot sauce if you're feeling crazy and some broccoli. That's underrated. Mashed potatoes, though, that's overrated. Mashed potatoes are just boring. I mean, maybe if you got a good gravy. It, it, it's it's good. I think I talked about this on the Thanksgiving episode, so I won't spend much more time on mashed potatoes, but they are overrated. Now I want to talk about what kind of condiments we put on our fries. Now the classic is is ketchup. Ketchup's a great condiment for fries. I per, I'm really fan of the uh, Simply Heinz. It's the Heinz ketchup without the corn syrup. It's just sugar. Really terrific stuff. I also like to mix uh, ketchup and mustard together and dip my fries in that. That's a good combination. If you don't like mustard, you probably won't like it. But if you do, give it a chance. Of course, I'm dipping my fries in mayonnaise. I know this is a European, perhaps South American thing. I'm going to need some of my listeners to chime in. Tell me, where are they eating mayonnaise and fries together? Uh, wherever they're doing that, they're doing it right. It's a delicious combination. I really recommend doing it. Malt vinegar is pretty good on fries. Um, barbecue sauce is outstanding on fries. A real tangy barbecue sauce, you cannot go wrong with that. Ranch dressing is also pretty good on fries. Basically, you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong. An aioli, honey mustard, uh, buffalo wing sauce, like the list goes on and on. Everything goes good with fries. You know, um, I'm going to pivot hard here to fashion. Haven't talked too much about men's style recently, but I have been... Keeping my eye on the internet now that the uh, spring-summer lines are coming out. The most recent line to launch was the Ime Leon Dor uh, Spring-Summer 2021. They put out their lookbook this morning. You can check it out on their website. And uh, last year, it was they put out my favorite lookbooks and favorite photo sessions. And you know what? Ime Leon Dor did it again. Terrific lookbook. Um, just full of really interesting clothes, really interesting fits. Lots of cool hoodies, cardigans, jackets, chore coats, you name it. They are putting it out. Too many Yankees in Mets hands, but that's okay. They're based out of New York. I just got to say, if you're going to pick up one of these items, you better act fast because that stuff sells out. It's a little pricey. A lot of this stuff's going for two to 300 bucks, but I think the investment is worth it. The stuff's made in, in, um, in Canada, United States, places like that. So 
Uh, go check out I'm a Leon Door online. You'll see. It's uh, going to be spring in no time. I recommend getting a raincoat. I, I think I talked about getting a big boy winter coat in an earlier episode. Well, now we're going to talk about getting an adult raincoat. This applies to men and women. Anyone can get a great raincoat. You don't want to be that loser walking around with an umbrella. That's not sophisticated. You want a technical raincoat that is waterproof, that is windproof, that is going to keep you dry and warm. Here's how you do it. First of all, you find one that's waterproof. Water resistant is not going to do you any good when the rain really starts to fall. You need straight up waterproof. Some companies will offer a wax cotton option. That's good. That's barber. That's old school. Or you can get a really techie raincoat from the North Face, Patagonia, Arcteryx, one of those companies. Splurge a little. You're probably not going to spend less than 150, 200 bucks. Uh, I guarantee you it'll be worth it and you will have a raincoat for many years. The one I have from Marmot has lasted me since 2013. I'm going to re-up this year and get a new one, but uh, it's had a great run. And uh, I watched a little Netflix yesterday. In fact, I watched a lot of Netflix. All told, almost four hours of Netflix, which is a lot for me, but I was doing chores at the time. And I was watching the the new uh, crime scene documentary. Has anyone watched this? It's really terrific. It concerns Elisa Lamb's disappearance at the Cecil Hotel in 2013. If you don't know her by name, you may know her video. She was uh, last seen in an elevator at the Cecil Hotel doing real bizarre stuff, pressing lots of buttons, looking around the corner, stepping out, making various strange hand gestures. It's a fascinating story. I was interested before the Netflix documentary, and the Netflix documentary just did a great job diving deep and you know, uh, really digging into all of the elements of this crime or, uh, or perhaps suicide. I'll let you be the judge. Moving on, uh, when you're talking about crime scene stuff, you may be talking about black lights. When you got a CSI guy on the, t- you know, he's gonna pull out the black light. Remember when black lights had a moment in like the early 2000s? There was that one dating show on MTV where like the the girl could say, "I want to actually check out his bedroom with the black light." So they turn all the lights off. She'd shine the black light and the. The, the comforter on his bed would be, like, full of stains, and everyone would be like, oh, that's nasty! <laughs> Why were blacklights so hip in the early 2000s? You also had cosmic bowling, of course. You had blacklight posters. It was just a vibe. It was a whole trend. And I'm telling you right now, I think blacklights are coming back. Put it on the board right now. It's a prediction. 20 and 20, blacklights are coming back. I know I bought one for my lamp. I can't wait for the kids to check it out. One day when they're driving me nuts and there's nothing to do and the weather sucks, I'm screwing that blacklight into a lamp, but we're going to go freaking crazy. We're going to wear some crazy clothes, do some glow-in-the-dark nonsense. I'm in, man. Blacklights in 2021. They're here. Um, you know who's a director, auteur, producer of video who's been on a roll for many, many years? His name is Adam Curtis. He's an English man. And he is freaking great. He's a documentary filmmaker. He works with the BBC. The BBC gives him access to their entire archive of footage. Talking millions of hours of film footage that dates all the way back to the early 20th century. He comes through and he creates these elaborate, almost like psychological thriller documentaries that are about power, money, capitalism, uh, and all sorts of stuff like that. You leave an Adam Curtis movie feeling very disoriented, like you see the truth for the first time. It's a cool feeling. It's an interesting experience watching it. His new one is called Can't Get You Out of My Head, but if I were to start somewhere, I'd start with hyper-normalization. That was what got me into Adam Curtis, and I think it could get you into him as well. 
All right. I was reading a lot of Onion headlines this week because they had a staff writer job open up at The Onion, and I can't think of a, a better job for me. I would love to be on The Onion staff writing, uh, writing staff. And, um, you know, so I wanted to put together a really strong application, and I think I did a pretty good job. But what that entailed was me going through the archive at The Onion and really digging in and seeing what their voice is all about, what their point of view, their comedic style, what sort of topics they do really well, what sort of topics I know I do well, and trying to, like, fit in there as best I can. And I really, you know, I'm not going to say any more about my application. I just want to give a shout-out to The Onion for being just funny and relevant and, like, productive, like many headlines every day. For decades, straight up decades, um, they're doing even better, in my opinion, in the age of social media. Sure, the print paper is gone, but they look really good on Instagram, Twitter, and that sort of thing. The Onion is almost tailored for this experience. So, shout out to The Onion and many more years ahead. I know you'll do it. I'm going to shout out a book. I know a couple friends and listeners of the show are expecting newborns soon. I'm not going to give you any recommendations about books on how to raise kids. That's not my area, but... I do want to recommend a short story collection by the fiction writer Judy Budnitz, B-U-D-N-I-T-Z. Judy Budnitz wrote a book called Nice Big American Baby, which, um, you know, some, I, I can't actually remember if they're loosely connected stories or if they're just standalone stories. I, th- I, I seem to remember most of them are standalone. They're really good, very funny, very uncanny. One of the stories concerns a woman who keeps trying to uh, birth her, her, uh, newborn in the United States from Mexico, so she keeps trying to cross the border, and it's it's a really odd, strange, but endearing book, um, and, you know, I think it's good for all age. I read it well before I was a, a parent or even thinking about being a parent, so that's just a, a general fiction recommendation, but if you are, you know, uh, raising children or thinking about raising children, I got to give a shout out to Cloth Diapers. I haven't talked about this on the show yet. I've talked about a lot of things that are tangential, but cloth diapers are huge, and they were huge for us. I want to talk about something that doesn't get talked about very much. We talk about the environmental impact of paper diapers versus cloth diapers, the water usage, the trees, the chemicals, and that sort of stuff, the lifespan of a diaper in the landfill. That's all good. You can find that information online. I want to talk about the performance of a cloth diaper. Cloth diaper is a better performing diaper than your average uh, Huggies or Pampers or whatever. It just is. You hear about people having blowouts with their kids. Pete never had a blowout. We had him in cloth diapers from day one. No poop up his back. No poop out the gusset of the bottom on his pants, on his onesie. It just didn't happen. Cloth diapers perform better than paper diapers. And for that reason alone, I think they're worth the investment. Okay. You also should invest in good cookware in your kitchen. I'm not going to tell you what brands to look for. It's not my, really not my forte. I don't know a lot about brands, but I'm going to uh, suggest to you your basic starter pack for the sort of cookware you need in your kitchen. First of all, you need a cast iron uh, pan, frying pan. Uh, any company will do. Get it seasoned well. Don't don't mistreat it. It should last you a long, long time. You're also going to want a non-stick, medium-sized frying pan. I like non-stick. You can go the copper or aluminum route. I just, you know... I like the ease of nonstick. I also want to do a large frying pan in nonstick or a wok if you're interested in, in uh, stir fry. You're going to need a big pot to boil water, make soups. That's obvious. I like nonstick, but I also like aluminum for that. And finally, you're going to need two small saucepans or small pots. 
and those could be non-stick as well or they can be aluminum either one aluminum can be washed in the dishwasher so can non-stick but you're gonna you're gonna wear them out quickly so once again that's one cast iron one medium frying pan one large frying pan one big old pot and two saucepans and that should be enough to get you through all right let's talk about bobby schmerta bobby schmerta rapper 2014 he, he broke out with a huge song can't say the name it's got the n-word in the title look it up Bobby Schmurter's big hit in 2014 was like an early viral hit, Snapchat kind of vibe. Super good track, eerie beat, lots of really interesting rhymes and like just freaking charisma to spare. Bobby Schmurter got incarcerated for seven years. Seven years at the height, you know, at the very beginning of his career, really, when he was taken off. He had a deal and. Uh, it's his release this week from prison has really prompted a lot of interesting discussions about the uh, intersection between rap music and uh, mass incarceration in this country. Uh, NPR did a fantastic piece about it, and I'm about to dive into this uh, NPR-produced podcast about that very subject. So, you know, if uh, Bobby Schmurter's music interests you, or if you're interested in the the plight of, uh, you know, um, incarcerated folks in this country. Uh, I think this is a story worth digging into, personally. Great song, too. Another great song, From Autumn to Ashes, Short Stories with Tragic Endings. Shout out to Diego for bringing this one to my attention. Also, Catatonic Youths, the incredible social media account. Um, This song is just like a nine-minute screamo epic from the early 2000s. Not particularly cool. It's like one of the, like, at the time I thought this was the worst music I could ever hear, and now it, it really, I love it. It's so good. It's screamy, there's breakdowns, it's not particularly hard, really, and then there's a female singer that uh, joins the band. She's not normally a part of it, but she joins, and she has a really memorable part. So check out From Autumn to Ashes, short stories with tragic endings off their 2001 record, Too Bad You're Beautiful. Wow, what a title. I actually saw From Autumn to Ashes on tour in 2003. I remember not being psyched on it at all. Like, I was a hardcore punk. I did not like that style of music. I was there for Alkaline Trio. This was the Vagrant Tour at the Aragon Ballroom. 2003, it was on October 30th. I remember day before Halloween. And, uh, you know, Kyle's parents brought us... Oh, no, my parents brought us there. Kyle's parents brought us home. Uh, You know, I was freaked out by the neighborhood. Never been in Uptown. Never, like, really been in downtown that much at night. So... It was a vibe, and, and uh, yeah, I got over it. I started going downtown a lot, but the Vagrant Tour, it was no motive, totally unmemorable, don't remember them. From Autumn to Ashes, were probably okay. Reggie and the Full Effect is a terrible band, and I did not like their performance, and Alkaline Trio positively killed it. They freaking killed it. I love Alkaline Trio. Even then, Matt's uh, voice was totally fried at that point in his career, but they brought it. It was a great night. I still have pictures with me and Mark and, you know, the crew hanging out at the Alkaline Trio show. And the first time I saw him, and I've seen him probably 10 or 15 times since. I want to give a special, special style recommendation to all the men and women listening today. We got the, uh, you got a hoodie on? You ever, you ever worn a hoodie? Do you know what this is? It's a sweatshirt with a hood on it? Okay. What you can do instead of letting those hoodie strings dangle is you can just tie them in a little bow. Cinch it a little bit so the hood's got a little bit of crinkle. Tie it in a bow. It's just an interesting look. It's like an ascot. Cravat. Is that what it's An ascot. It's like a little man scarf. Pop it up over the fleece. I admit I saw a I'm Alien Door styling their stuff this way, and I was very inspired. So tie your hoodie strings in a bow. That is if you still got them. If you don't got your hoodie strings, good luck putting them back in. It's a tough It's a challenge. All right. 
Uh-oh. Did I miss something along the way? I feel like I'm a little early. No, I'm good. Underrated, overrated, properly rated. Two in a week? I love this series. Let's just keep going. I might go a little over because I got a lot to say. We're talking about pets. Pets. So dogs. Dogs? I have a dog. I have Ray the dog, but I'm going to say dogs are overrated. They require too much attention. I do not want to lavish a dog with attention. I hate getting, like, the... Always feeding it, putting water in the bowl. Not for me. Walking the dog when it's freezing cold out. Maybe I'll change my mind. If I ever got a more affectionate dog. But I don't want one because like they jump in your lap. They lick your face. That's not for me either. Dogs are overrated. Cats are obviously overrated as well. They're just vermin we've invited into our homes. That's not right. I know people are like, but cats are so smart. They're not smart. Oh, you can train them to poop in a litter box? Cool. That stuff smells. You don't want a cat. Gross. They're not friendly. They claw at you. If they are friendly, they just shed all over you. Cats are trash. Um, birds are awful. They're properly rated, though, because everyone knows that birds are awful. That's not a good pet. They flap around. Their feathers come off. They shit all over that wire cage. you got to change the newspaper. They're not fun. They, there's, not a, there's no affection. If you take them out of the cage, you worry they're going to fly off. Terrible pet. Birds are garbage. Um, fish? I've spoken at about this on the podcast before fish are highly underrated fish are the only acceptable pet and that includes snakes bunny rabbits kangaroos tigers shout out carol baskin no uh fish are the only acceptable pet and i'm talking mostly specifically goldfish and betta fish uh yeah i just love a fish i love caring for a fish i love watching them float around they do nothing they ask for nothing low maintenance very cheap i love a fish what can i say you go on vacation, you drop a little like feeder in there, it's good for a couple weeks. No big deal. That's fish life. That's the aquatic world. I love it. Cats? Overrated. Dogs? Overrated. Birds? Don't even get me started. And the glorious fish. That's my pet take for the day. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I do have an announcement. Next week is going to be the season finale of 20 and 20. Yeah, it's episode 20, so... I think I'm going to take a little break. I might do a different podcast in the meantime. I've been meaning to do one that was more kid-centric for the kids to listen to. Um, I think I'm going to focus on that. And I'm just I'm kind of running out of steam with 20 and 20, so I'll be back. Uh, season 2 will come out probably in the summer sometime. Um, you know, sorry if that, if that makes you sad. It, it makes me a little sad. It's been a fun run. But, you know, I'll be back. 20 and 20, episode 19. Thanks for joining me. My name's Pat. Hope you have a great day, great weekend, and I'll see you next week for our season finale. Bye-bye. I came to you.